the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The fortune-making spirit of today's marketplace, The Rob Black Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome into Rob Black and Your Money's Dance Party. It's Friday. Woo! Not going to work, is it? I didn't think so either, to be honest. Yeah. It's been a bad week. It's been a bad month. It's been a bad year for stocks. We'll be okay. The jobs number that came out today was solid. If inflation doesn't spike higher, which in energy, it is spiking higher. If we can control some things out there, I think we'll be okay. I don't see a 10-year period of high inflation. But we'll keep watching it. The jobs report was good. If I were to throw it out on paper, have you ever done those mysteries where you're like, you've crashed a plane in the desert? Oh, no, let's, let's go with the Pacific Northwest. It's zero degrees. What are the 10 things from the plane crash that you need? And you have things like water and mirror and uh, a radio to call for help, but if you're too far away, so you're going to have to hike two miles in the snow. You don't have snow boots. Will you be dead after the hike? And you have to rate like the top 10 things you want. If, if it's three, the top three things that I'm worried about, jobs, inflation, and then Russia. If it's four, it, more often than not, what I'm trying to say is that Russia is not my number one concern because I'm not about the next four to six weeks. I will be honest with you, and this is going to be a horrific thing to say out loud. If Russia and Ukraine goes dark, and like maybe there's a, a nuclear accident, we'll be okay. If it turns into a 10-year occupation of Afghanistan, like Russia's had before, like the United States has had before, we'll be okay. Do you know how I know that? Because we've had it before. I know that Russians were in Afghanistan probably weekly, knowing history, the late 70s, early 90s. And then John Rambo came in and he cleaned them out. He basically said, we're going to teach these Afghanis how to fly helicopters and use rocket-propelled rocket launchers and uh, shoulder-propelled rocket launchers, not rocket-propelled rocket launchers, because that would be redundant. And John Rambo cleared them out. History says that's true. We've seen this before. The longer it goes on, the more muted we become with it. It's if, if we were to say, you know, like, let's, let's look at the world food hunger shortage. The only time Ethiopia has had a, a drought, oh, we stopped looking. They still have big problems in Ethiopia. The world still has food issues, but we stopped looking because we come, ah, that's enough. I don't know if Russia occupies Afghanistan. I don't know the end game. I'm not a political uh, military strategist but we'll get used to it tesla down 4.6 percent yesterday bitcoin sitting down 3.7 percent down at 42,471 
I'm interested in the Bitcoin influencers. Have you noticed there's a thing called like a Bitcoin influencer where they're like <clears throat> friends that you knew on Instagram and like suddenly like Bitcoin expert is put in their name and you're like, what is going on here? This is a sham. I once mentioned that I liked rum, 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 or whiskey, 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 like in my belly, 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 belly. So I was making fun of the movie um, Anchorman. <clears throat> Great movie. Scotch. There we go. I think that's one of the greatest shows because I work in television. I can tell you that there's some kind of truths in that movie of people reading anything they see in the prompter and, you know, dumb people being, you know, news anchors and smart people being news anchors. But what I was trying to get at at that point in time was 20 years ago, if you were listening to the show, Maker's Mark made me an ambassador. I was an influencer long before you were an influencer. Um, the hot chick who's pushing Bitcoin and telling us, look, it looks like it's going to 50,000. It goes next stop, $100,000. You want to be a Bitcoin millionaire like me or not? Ooh, ooh. Um, so I once was a Maker's Mark ambassador. You know, my skill set, none. My ability to understand good whiskey from bad, none. Um, I'm like the stupid Baba Booey of the world where uh, I can't tell the difference between a great bottle of wine and a cheap bottle of wine. Well, maybe a little bit there, right? I can't tell the difference like the people at the table can. Oh, oh, do you smell the wheat? The wheat is from my childhood, from a, a field in Rome. Yes, yes. I'm like, I'm not that guy. So anyway, um, I'm interested to see how the influencers hold up as Bitcoin's getting throttled. 10-year treasury sits at 1.84%. The Dow's down yesterday, one-third of a percent. The NASDAQ was down one and a half. Big tech got crushed yesterday. SP 500 down one-half of 1%. There's a crisis in the Ukraine-Russia. I see it from my perspective as heavily oil and gas problematic. Oil prices have skyrocketed their highest level in 10 years over concerns that supply could dry up from Russia, one of the world's biggest oil exporters. The rise has been sharp and sudden. One week ago, on the dawn of the war in Ukraine, U.S. oil prices were at $92. Now they're at around 110 I think they got as high as 116 118 this week. Now, again, there's different types of oil. The sweet crude from like Saudi Arabia is different than the crude from uh, Norway, which is different from the dirty, dirty stuff in Canada. Russia's got bad oil too, but it's still oil. So we'll take it. It just takes a lot more work to, re to refine it. So this week we started talking about stagflation due to the energy situation where inflation's so high, even if you're growing your economy, you're not growing it faster than inflation. When OPEC cut off all oil exports to the United States for helping Israel in the Arab-Israeli War of 1973, which led to soaring prices and stagflation, when inflation soars but economic growth slows, very, very problematic. So the consequences of Russia, we don't know yet. We know that we're seeing some tragedy in people leaving the country of Ukraine, going to Poland. There's a mass exodus going on at this point in time, over 1 million people. Now, you could say a lot of things about living in the United States and how you know, Black Lives Matters and defund the police or fund the police, or you could talk about voting rights. You can get all riled up. But there's a pretty good chance your house isn't in two, two grocery bags and you and your kids have your sneakers on walking down the road trying to get the hell out of the United States. Can you imagine trying to walk into Mexico because like, there's a war going on in Texas? Uh-uh. 
So that's kind of sucks, right? Because those are children. Children don't know. It's even interesting to this date, like my kids, um, I'm trying to shield them from, you know, overly talking about Russia and Ukraine. I want them to be kids still. There'll be a point where you can think you're smart, think you know everything about the world, think you know everything about politics. And I call that 18 to 35. And then you just care about your family after that. So war bonds, but war bonds, non-fungible token war bonds, like the 21st century is having some interesting responses to how we fund Ukraine and give them money. $50 million worth of crypto has been donated to the nation past week. 200,000 crypto punk wearing blue bandanas was sent to a Ukraine's wallet on Tuesday. Blue bandanas standing for the, the nation's flag. A lot of money's coming their way from crypto. It's not riv- Rosie the Riveter, like, you know, everyone must do their part. Now it's like, uh, can I send you some crypto? And can you give me an NFT in exchange for that? It's it's pretty fascinating. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, wagging the tail, right? Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. An education-first approach to managing your money. This is The Rob Black Show. This is Rob Black. Thank you for listening to my podcast, The Rob Black Show. If you're looking for a certified financial planner or getting ready for retirement, contact me at rob at robblackshow.com. I can get you in touch with a certified financial planner from EP Wealth. Contact me, rob at robblackshow.com. That's rob at robblackshow.com. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Let's get straight to it today, shall we? Goldman Sachs has just an amazing amount of roster talent. You've heard of Goldman Sachs, right? Morgan Stanley, Lehman Brothers, Bear Stearns, the big Wall Street names. Some of them lived great lives. Some of them have passed on. Some of them are still around like Goldman Sachs. Abby Joseph Cohen is one of the experts who anticipated the strength of the historic 1990 bull market. I'm very fortunate to have started investing in the 90s after a savings loans thrifts had hit. So I didn't have to go through like this cycle of like anything I bought went down. So they say the Zillennials or the Millennials have had two major recessions and a housing crisis in their lifetime and it's going to scar them. My first 10 years got to be pretty much so event free investing, eh, maybe seven, but it's set up for a good tone of this can really do good things. And then you go through your first major correction. You're like, oh boy, I didn't see that coming. And then your second one, you're like, oh, I saw that one coming. Third one, like, yeah, it happens all the time. Every year, the markets should pull back. It shouldn't always sit at 52 week highs. Seems like every year we find reasons to pull back. But Abby Joseph Cohen was one of the few experts who had spent the strength of the 1990s bull market. And she talks a little bit about inflation. It's something for years you've heard me say on this show. It's a bad word. It's a dirty word. It's a serial killer. It's a fear. It's something that's going to kill your portfolio. Oh, wait until you see inflation. And then inflation comes. It's like, oh, I didn't remember. I don't remember this. Individuals rarely get credit 
for moving the stock market, but you could probably say Abby Joseph Cohen is one of those like five time members of Saturday Night Live. She's a special kind of lady, a Warren Buffett, if you will. She developed a reputation on Wall Street in the 90s for being bullish. So she would get on CNBC or Bloomberg and she'd say, I think things are going higher. Talk about economic expansions and how they can keep going. And from 1991 in March through March of 2001, we had a 10-year period that was just glorious. Essentially from 9-11 to 2001, of 2001, uh, maybe six months later, we started another bull market that ran until 2008, 2010. And then after 2010, we had another bull market that ran for 10 years. And it's only recently gotten dicey. Markets win more often than not. The Wall Street Journal has referred to Abby Joseph Cohen as having the Abby effect. That's interesting, right? She gets on air. She she teaches now full-time at Columbia. She retired from Goldman Sachs at the end of 2021. But she recently came out of hiding, if you will, and she wasn't hiding. She said the U.S. economy is doing far better than many people give it credit for. If you could set up a Google alert for Abby Joseph Cohen when she speaks, it's worth it. The U.S. economy is doing far better than many people will give it credit for. I think that the worry about inflation is overdone, and I think the worry about interest rates is incredibly premature. She thinks the big part of the 40-year high inflation readings are attributable to items like cars and furniture that people don't buy again and again and again and again, and that other important components like rising wages for lower wage workers is ultimately good for the economy. So she's not saying, Rob, you're wrong. Not all inflation is bad. And some of it will be transitory. And some of it will be artificially propped up that should let the air out in a normalized manner, i.e. when more cars are made. It's not like we don't know how to make cars. It's not like there's a severe drought. Well, maybe there is a a bit of a drought of water in making semiconductors. But I think it's geared right now more towards supply chain issues that are tied towards COVID and logistics. Cohen says interest rates are expected to rise substantially. She says that they'll be doing so from very, very low levels. And again, I love people like her because she's right more often than wrong, and she's very calming. She says growth in the United States is picking up in 2022 with with the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, an important factor because it will help bring rural and and urban areas that were falling behind economically and will strengthen some of their market sectors that have been struggling. She likes exchange-traded funds like the first trust global tactical commodity strategy fund. So here's one where she's saying, consider commodities. The first trust global tactical commodity strategy fund. Now, generally speaking, when we start talking about funds, I'm going to say, just cover my butt to cover your butt, no more than 5%. I don't want you going, oh, Abby Joseph said I should get some commodities. That'll help fight. That'll help play along with the game. 
if timber is going up in costs, why not own some timber? If oil's going up in costs, why not own some oil? She likes the ProShares Ultra Consumer Service ETF, the Fidelity Morgan Stanley Country Index Financials. And she likes the S&P Spider Retail ETF, getting exposure to different types of companies that'll do well in a short-term inflation area where not all things are bad. Now, again, she is a bit of a Buddha. She's a bit of a guru. If you Google Goldman Sachs, Abby Joseph Cohen, she's one that's worth reading. Not everything, but she's worth reading. Read an interesting research piece on the wealth gap and how the poor keep getting poorer because they don't know when to buy or sell a home. (laughs) What? Let me correct that. The research was really about the poor Americans don't know when it's best to buy or sell. Buying a home can help build wealth. You've heard that, right? It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be a homeowner. It's going to make you rich, 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 sticking rich. Contrast to rich people, poor Americans are more likely to purchase housing and make other investment when prices are high because they hear about it. Remember how last year a friend of mine started to like sending me emails about how great she is at uh, Bitcoin and I read him on air and I kind of like snickered like, yeah, you haven't really seen a pullback yet. It wasn't very nice of me to say, but she got really, really bad that I said that on air. So she has to talk to me. That's okay. If you've got a rich friend who's good at money, try not to hold take things personally. People are too sensitive in this world. Anyway, um, the paper that I was reading yesterday suggests that rich people, in contrast, rich people, poor people, Americans, are more likely to purchase housing and other investments based on what their friends are hearing. Wealth is distributed more unevenly than income. One reason behind that is that richer households earn higher portfolio returns more efficiently building on their existing wealth. Building wealth is important because wealth is a source of retirement income, protects against short-term economic shocks, and ultimately provides security and social status for future generations. The reason that middle-income families are more dependent on home equity as a source of wealth than upper-income families has more of an impact to do on your net worth. It's just interesting. Like there's always a reason, right? I think some of the best things I've ever done is not be a trader, but be an investor, more of an accumulator, but we're all going to be different on how we approach it. I'm just sharing my side of it. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Find me online at EP Wealth. Find me at Rob Black Show. I have a YouTube channel on the internet called Rob Black Show. Resources to help you manage your money. Visit robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. So for radio listeners, you hear that we're playing Red Hot Chili Peppers, Black Summer, new song. I was driving my kid the other day. This song comes on. He knows I like the Red Hot Chili Peppers. He goes, hey, Dad, it's Red Hot Chili Peppers. You like this band? I'm like, no, no. It's the Chili's. And he looked at me and was like, is my dad pulling my leg? I'm like, it's the Chili's. And you know what Flea, who plays bass for the Chili's once did? And I told him the sock story. And he's like, is my dad making this up? I'm like, there's something called the internet. Go look for it. 
So I got an email from an individual who kind of needed to know about the world of financial planning and hiring people. I think we all go through this. When I was 19 or 20 years old, I had a stock relationship with a company called Smith Barney. And Smith Barney assigned me a vice president. And his vice president was a broker and he would call me and go, hey, <clears throat> I was small fish. He goes, I see you have $4,000. Uh, do you want to buy this mutual fund? And I'd be like, well, why? And he goes, well, let me show you. And he'd pull out a tear sheet and just a piece of paper that has like all the information that you need to know, who the fund manager is, how it's done over the last one, three, five, seven, ten 10 years, that kind of thing what the top holdings are. And you'd see names like Intel and Cisco and Microsoft. You go, wow, it's a technology fund. <clears throat> and then legally they have to disclose their cost, but that was kind of weird because what the freaking frack is a front load? What's a back load? What's a 12B1? And you'd be like, wow, this cost me 6% to buy a stock. <clears throat> no, to buy shares in the mutual fund. So right there, $100 equals really 94. I'm already down for the year considerably. But that's how Smith Barney made their money. So I got to the point when I was 18, 19, maybe 20 hours, starting getting fed up with this kind of relationship. I was like, I was better at picking stocks. I was better at picking mutual funds than the vice president, which for the record, ever since I had a vice president, in finance or at Smith Barney. I was like, I think that's a BS title. I think it's total BS. And as I've worked, even with the company I'm working at now, and I own my own company, and I wasn't big on titles. I don't want to be chief marketing officer. I don't want to be chief operating officer. I don't want to be CEO or co-CEO. I just think titles are stupid. So anytime someone's like, oh, you want to be vice president or president? I'm like, what's the difference? Well, president means you own some shares of the company. Vice, like, I'm like, okay, no, no. Unless the people are going to elect me president of the United States, I don't want to be president. So anyway, I got an email from someone who was like kind of freaked out on the stock markets. Young, has some money, but it's not a lot of money. And believe it or not, the mindset of the retail investor is totally different than the mindset of the institutional investor. I think I would give you the institutional investor approach because I'm not emotional and I'm not fearful. I'm not an algorithm either, but I'm more on the institutional side than the retail side. People are starting to hear more and more about the term fiduciary. Bottom line is that until you have some money, it's tough to make a relationship with fiduciary. They do really hardcore work. And you think they're like, hey, can you um, help me pick a fund? It's, that's not what they do. They run best case, worst case scenarios for you. They look at inflation. They look at how much you're, uh, you make an income, what sort of career you work in, where you can get more and less. Are you using the benefits of your HR's uh, 401k plan, your retirement savings plan at work? Are you using the benefits? They look at your whole picture. And when they do a plan, it's typically three to 500 pages. It is hardcore. Now, again, a lot of it's graphs and a lot of it's like spaced in a funny way. It's interesting because a lot of those features that financial planners have had access to through expensive modules in retail, 
they're now starting to kind of be built into a lot of apps like a Robin hood, but they're not there yet. And when you look at it, you're like, Ooh, this is not well executed. There's CFPs who could be hired on an hourly flat fee basis to do a comprehensive plan. Those plans typically run three to $6,000. So they also can say, you know, I'll take a percentage of your assets every year, skim a little bit from the bottom, so to speak, where you're paying based on a percentage of assets. Like they have a rolling scale for if you have 500,000, it's going to cost you three quarters of one point. And I'm making this up. And if you have a million dollars, it's going to cost you 60 basis points. And if you have $5 million, it's going to cost you 50 basis points. And then you get into this weird thing of like, it's, it's, do you pay for transactions on stocks and bonds? A lot of companies don't have transactions anymore. So you're like, you're trying to figure that all out. But nothing's really free on the high-end financial information services. One of the things I try to do on this show is to bring you what EP Wealth does with their financial planning department because they're fiduciaries. And I think holistically, they provide an overall diversification investment strategy. It's very helpful. But it's tougher to say, tough to say like, hey, can you write me a plan? And now go away. If you want to do that, that's $3,000 Typically, again, how complex you are brings in a question mark. For instance, my taxes. When I was in my 20s, I could easily do my own taxes on TurboTax, QuickBooks, or something along those lines. <clears throat> but once I got married and divorced, things changed. And then once you get kids involved, things change even more. And once you get kids involved and college planning and previous spouse, new spouse, and then you get into a, I have rental property in North Carolina. They have different <clears throat> income laws than, say, uh, Oregon does or uh, Washington or California. It gets complicated fast. So my accountant sends me a bill that says, you know, here's for, uh, you owe me $122 for filing your North Carolina taxes. I'm like, wait, wait, why is this one over here? 3000 He's like, well, that's all the California work I did for you. <clears throat> and the majority of your money and transactions are California based. So I'm like, oh boy. And I just don't want to do it myself anymore. So I have an accountant and I, I don't think I can keep up with accounting laws. So, and I fear probably some of the financial mistakes I made was doing it myself. My, probably that transition time in my mid thirties where I started creating a little bit more wealth and I started accumulating more assets. So I see a lot of people get frustrated and they're like, oh, I've got money. I've got a 401k. I want to get a professional to help me. They can't really help because your 401k is housed at your corporation that you work at. Now you can do transfers and such like that, but it's really, really difficult until you're about 50 for a financial planner to justify their value because they're really, in my opinion, and everyone's going to have different opinions. Therefore, we're the wealthier people who have more complicated scenarios. Um, it would be like hiring a murder attorney <clears throat> from New York for a parking ticket in rural Louisiana. With that said, grow there. This is a show about teaching how to accumulate wealth. Later, I want you to hire someone to help you manage wealth. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I put up a lot of content from EP Wealth. 
I'm going to be putting up more on my website at robblackshow.com. The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more about EP's unique approach to managing wealth at robblackshow.com. A personal financial plan with custom investment advice. That's why Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. With over $12 billion in assets under management and more than 80 financial professionals at the helm, EP services were built with you in mind. How can they help you? Find out at robblackshow.com. robblackshow.com. Sometimes the first hour of this show is strategy meant for the long term. Sometimes it's strategy meant for the short term. The second hour is typically where I get into the daily news, like what happens and why. Sometimes they can bleed together. The jobs report the first Friday of every month is the most important economic piece of data to me. And I kind of got corrected this week and you can actually see the correction because I think it was beautifully done by Adam Phillips, EP wealth directors, uh, director of portfolio strategy. I said, so what do we got coming up this week? On Mondays, we do a recording 15 minutes long. I like that form because it's not quite a college lecture and it's not quite a radio segment. And I said, so what's, what do we got this week? And we were talking about the federal reserve on Wednesday and Thursday. That played out pretty well. It played out pretty well for Wall Street. I say calming force. <clears throat> and then I said, yep, on Friday, we got the most important one, jobs report. I said, I've always looked at the jobs report as if people have jobs, they have paychecks. If people have paychecks, they're probably dining out and they're probably traveling. I consider myself, and this is where I'm going to get snobby here. I consider myself a little bit on the... Um, uh, I don't want to say elite class of traveler, but when I was in high school, I stayed at Best Westerns or in college, I stayed at Best Westerns, but I've always tried to every five years up my game a little bit. I would say if there's things that I, I poorly spend money on, it's not on electronics. It's not on toys like snowmobiles and hydrofoils and Super expensive things for the home. I'm practical. I don't need a latte machine that was voted France's France's number one latte machine. But um, I consider myself a little bit of elite. I've been traveling before, and you're like, yes, I'm on an elephant in the sub-Saharan, and we're going across the desert, and there's no water in. Oh, wait, there's someone who is from Mississippi right next to me. And they're talking really loud and they're both type two diabetics. And they're both just like gravies coming out of their skin to get sweaty. And it's so hot. And I'm like, how am I traveling next to these people? And it was like cost of living is different. I'd be like, you have to be an attorney like me. I'm not an attorney, but you have to have an elite like kind of job. I'm very important and I have an office that smells of rich mahogany, um, many fine leather bound books because that's, and again, that's been one of the best parts about COVID is watching people's home settings, that goofball on TV, um, the news guy who's got all the albums. Hey man, I got album covers on the back of my uh, Zoom set. Hey man, I'm cool. I got the Grateful Dead. See, I'm cool. But yeah, um, so I, so I can be in the middle of the world on the back of an elephant. I can meet someone from Cincinnati and I'm like, what do you do for a living? He's like, oh, I change tires. 
I'm like, nothing is people change tires. I'm like, how can you afford to be here? With, like, I don't get it. And it comes back to that, that reason why I say the first Friday of every month is super important to me, the jobs number. Americans in central Florida who live in swamps and crocodiles can afford to travel if they have jobs. And they do. Now, sometimes they've been living in their daddy's shack, which they're calling a house that doesn't have running water for a hundred years. And that's one of the reasons they have money. Sometimes they inherit it. Sometimes it's the, it's the jobs more often than not though. If Americans have jobs, we spend money. I was talking to a person in radio. He's like, yeah, I, I pick up side gigs because I like the money. If Americans have, what's he going to do with money? Is he going to put it under his mattress right now? No, he's either going to invest in his future or buy stupid things like motorcycles and waterbeds and things like that. Or he's going to go on the higher end and buy French latte machines, or he's going to go travel and getting out of town and going to Modesto is lovely, but getting out of town and go to the Sahara and being on the back of an elephant next to this guy named Rob who thinks he's better than you is even better. Jobs are super important. The first Friday of every month we report as a nation our employment rates. We look at things like our wages. If you see a little bit of wage inflation, I'm like, hey, next year could be better than this. People make a little bit more, they're going to spend a little bit more. But anyway, Adam in this great call on Monday, and this, this all goes back to that, he kind of schooled me. You can see it at YouTube TV, not YouTube TV, but YouTube under Rob Black Show, Rob Black Show. He um, says something along the lines of, yeah, uh, I'm actually looking at the CPI number a little bit more now, Rob. He said, if you're going to say it, there's only one. He's like, the consumer price inflation is the one that I'm looking at. I, I could still make an argument, but I'm going to cede to him. He's got more resources than I do, but yeah, he's right. We should be paying more attention to the consumer price inflations. Report. Jobs we know are good. So it's like, okay, why are you looking at that again? Because I'm waiting for it to turn bad. Nope. I'm waiting for it to turn better. Nope. They're good. Focus on inflation now. And I think he's right on some levels. But the jobs number today showed that Omicron is fading. Um, COVID is less deadly as 60% of Americans in, in parts of the developed world, which I'm considering the United States no longer developed, we're slipping because we're being thumped by nations that are at 80%, 90% vaccinated. Um, and they're, they're living a healthier world right now. They're traveling more. They're, they're already engaged. They're not trying to figure out the rules. Is this a mask place or not a mask place? I'm like, just assume it's not a mask now. Just assume. And then like my kids' elementary school, it's mask until like next week. It's like, oh, there's just no. Anyway, back to that, that real simple concept. The, the jobs numbers are showing us that we're hiring for travel, we're tra- hiring for restaurants, and that we're actually going out. So I will eat out tonight because I cook Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, my family. Therefore, I get kind of Friday and Saturday off. That's typically the thought. And you're saying, why do you cook? Does your wife, is she a high-powered attorney? No, she's just awful at it. She's just awful. I know you're saying that. Now, now I know why you're not lucky at love. So you can hear that, right? Yeah, you can probably hear it. 
gas prices in the United States cities are going to hit $5 in the next couple of weeks. And I'm like, yeah, welcome to California. COVID pushed a lot of people to move. And I will be interested in the remote work as it becomes more rooted. Uh, I just like studying things. And people are adjusting to what they now see as the new normal. A friend of mine owns a home in Tahoe and he had it be an Airbnb. And due to the last two and a half years of COVID, essentially two years plus now, um, he wants to leave what was once considered quiet mountain living where all your neighbors were locals. Now he's like, it's little South, little San Francisco or San Francisco Lake or something like it's like, it's really different. So it's going to be interesting because he's leaving that for now more of an international lifestyle as a beach bum instead of a mountain lifestyle beach bum or mountain bum. He doesn't, he doesn't like the crowds. I get it. So the next couple of years are going to be interesting to watch on a work perspective productivity issue. So keep in mind, my favorite statistic might be the jobs number, but it might be the, you know, the pay number in the future, because now we're working four days a week, five days a week, one day in the office, three days in the office. Um, this is a, a shifting look at America. 800-516-1220, if you ever want to call the show, anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. I like to talk, talk about accumulating wealth. And again, sometimes I make it a little bit too simple and you should not say, well, he's, he's robbed. I'm going to go with it. You should always do your own homework. As gas prices rise, as places where we live become noisier and we go, you know, I told my spouse the other day, I'm like, I want to buy one more home and that's it. In my lifetime, one more. The next one's going to be on the beach. It's going to be the old man's home. It's going to be nice and flat. It's going to be that if I take too many of my pills for my heart and my diabetes and my stroke and my, you know, my uh, erectile dysfunction, if I take too many pills and they, they medically interact with each other incorrectly, I could fall out off the bed and into the sand. I don't want to fall down steps. You know, that's my next place. I'll even take a house without a wall. You know, one of those, like there's a wall missing and like the only thing you see is the ocean in front of you. My next home is, and it's just interesting as you get older, you're like, you start saying, okay, that's going to be it. And really my final home is going to probably be a nursing home because I'm going to be a miserable old man. Um, grew up athletically, grew up a distance runner and grew up a soccer player. And when you do that, it's just tough on your body. When you turn 60, you wake up a little bit differently. Um... No, I'm not going to talk. I did a really nice piece this week on TikTok. If you revisit the podcast, it was actually late last week, but um, I revisited a little bit of it where TikTok, the super short form, 15 second, that once competed with Vine by Twitter became 30 seconds. Now it's a minute. And YouTube, who is just a massive media player for Google, uh, from our kids watching to the adults watching it, they're moving closer to short form. It's more opportunities for TikTok because they're getting longer, which are easier to sell advertisements into. 
it's going to be trickier for YouTube to get smaller where the advertisements have to be better bullet shots. Do you see the risk levels? I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find us at robblackshow.com. Robblackshow.com. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. We've got 25 years of working together. He's worked on my morning show and contributed. You can find a copy of his podcast at Apple or Google under New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. Chad, let's talk about gifting. This is kind of tough for me because I'm kind of an Ebenezer Scrooge type. Many wealthy people I know like to support favorite churches, charities, and they can do it through gifts. I'm hearing it's harder and harder to deduct though. What's going on? Uh, Well, first of all, the 2017 Tax Act raised the standard deduction to to be much higher, right? So when people file their tax returns, Rob, there's a lot of calculations going on in the background, but the systems will say, okay, here's your standard deduction that everybody gets, or you can itemize your deductions, like your mortgage interest, your state and local uh, property taxes and income taxes only up to 10 grand, and some other things like charitable contributions, um, which is more, right? And for a lot of retirees, the majority of them are now taking just the standard deduction. Um, Now, if the SALT limitation is repealed at some point, which, you know, now I'm not seeing a chance really anytime soon for that, where instead of being limited to 10 grand, you'll be able to write off all of your state and local taxes and property taxes. That might change the game, but right now that's not the case. So a lot of people, um, they're, they're kind of the same tax wise, but it's not like they're getting a deduction, an extra deduction when they give to charity anymore. So you have to be a little bit more careful now, especially on how you give to charity. And so I always say, avoid cash when you can. If you're a person that has highly appreciated stock mm-hmm. of any kind in a taxable account, now ESPPs, employer stock purchase plans, don't, don't do that. But let's say you got an RSU invested a couple of years ago, the stock that you own has gone up um, and, and you want to fund your favorite 503C you know, nonprofit why give cash? You can, you can take, if you want to give a thousand dollar gift or $10,000 gift to charity, you can transfer directly the shares of that stock to your favorite charity. Um, and if you're itemizing, you can deduct it, but either way you can get rid of the stock and that capital gain. And then you can take your cash and buy that stock back at a higher cost basis, which means you're reducing your taxes in the future. Um, so, you know, if, if typically what I tell people, if it's $500 or more, try to give appreciated stock. We do this for clients all the time. And it's just a you know, signed letter of instruction telling you know, Fidelity or Schwab. That's where we typically, Fidelity, TD Ameritrade or Schwab. That's where we manage clients' money for them. It's their accounts where we'll facilitate the transfer of those shares from the brokerage account to the charity. And, it, and it's done with a letter of instruction. And it's, it's actually pretty simple. Um, so especially for people that are no longer itemizing their deductions and some people may not know, you got to ask your CPA cash gifts, aren't helping you. So do the appreciated stock, but first, if you're 70 and a half or older, Rob, uh-huh. now th- this is, this is a great thing. Cause this is now permanent well, permanent until they change it again. Right. So you're, uh, once you hit 70 and a half, even though the new required minimum distribution for your IRAs is age 72, but once you hit 70 and a half, you can do a qualified charitable distribution from your IRA up to a hundred thousand dollars a year each. So if you're trying to give money to your favorite nonprofit, and that might even be your church, right? 
Well, you can give that right out of your IRA without paying taxes on it. And that that's, that's a great deal for pretty much everybody. Right. <laughs> so, so you think about that. I have clients where we literally have a checkbook on their IRA account okay. and they can write checks to their favorite charity and they'll get a 1099 R and they got to make sure that it's being reported properly on their tax returns of qualified charitable distribution from their IRA. This is fascinating stuff. Your financial IQ is crazy high. Mine's good. I got to think I'm better than the average person listening. You're, you're doing great. So let's say I set up a donor advised fund for hundred K. How do I set it up? When does the charity get it? Where does the money set? Gotcha. Well, okay. So I forgot to get to that point on the, the last one, but let's say you're, you're not 70 and a half yet. Um, and you're, you know, you've been giving 10 grand a year to charity, but now all of a sudden you're not able to write that off. Um, what you can do is you can say, okay, you know what? I'm always going to give 10 grand to charity. Okay. And so you work with your, your CFP, your tax advisor, and you say, okay, how, how much would I need to give in one single year to get well above the standard deduction so that this contribution to charity is actually a write-off. And so let's say that's 10 years worth. So you could set up what's called a donor advised fund, super easy to do at Fidelity or Schwab. Um, and you can take uh, $100,000 worth of appreciated stock. You can transfer it over tax-free into the donor advised fund, which creates okay. this $100,000 tax deduction that, that you have up to five years to use or write it, write it once, depending on your tax return. And once it's in the donor advised fund, you can turn around and sell that stock or you know, mutual fund or whatever you put in there without paying taxes on it. And then there's no time limit on when you have to give it out to charity. You could still continue to dole it out at $10,000 a year. You could wait 10 years until you dole it out. Um, the, so the account opening is, is fairly simple. Then you journal whatever shares of mutual fund, stock, or ETF you want to put into the donor advised fund. Um, when you sell it, um, this is something that we actively manage for clients when the account value is over 250,000, but if it's under that amount, Schwab and Fidelity have models that you can just put the money into while you're waiting to give it away to charity. And so we have some younger clients that are funding their donor advised fund every single year because they know when they get to be later in life, they want to make a significant gift somewhere, but they don't know where yet. And so they're just building up this investment account that grows essentially without any taxation. Um, until they're ready to start doling it out at some point in the future. So donor advice funds are great. We really love those. So last question here. Why do you say 70 and a half is such an important number here? Well, that's for the IRAs, right? So IRAs, they've, they've never been taxed. And so if you can take money that's never been taxed and give it to charity without anybody paying taxes on it, that, that's a win. It just, you know, the IRS is just cut out of the picture there. And it doesn't affect your taxes in terms of other issues, which is nice. I can go into that. That's, that can get pretty complicated. But what happened with COVID and the SECURE Act that was passed in 2020 is it made it so that the stretch IRA is gone, Rob. You used to be able to leave money. First of all, if you leave money to your spouse in your IRA, they can just roll it into their own IRA. But when it goes to the kids, now the kids have a 10-year period where it all has to be paid out either over 10 years or all at once at the 10th year, before the 10th year is over, right? And it used to be over their lifetime. So now leaving money to your kids in an IRA is one of the, you know, it's still nice to leave money to somebody, but it's like one of the worst assets to leave if you have other choices. 
So, cause they're going to have to pay the taxes over 10 years. So if you're giving the, the IRA money to charity, nobody's paying taxes on it. it, but stocks and real estate that you own, when you die, it gets a step up in basis and your heirs can sell that totally tax-free and Roth IRAs are totally tax-free. So it's, it's, it's a really good planning technique. It's great tax-wise. It's great for the charities and it's great for your kids. You to CFP you can contact Chad and book an appointment to review your scenario at chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. His podcast is out there on Google and Apple under New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. I'm Rob Black. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.